This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB Public Media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of News Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. On Money Talks, we're here to answer your personal finance questions, so we're ready to do that this morning. But also, we're going to talk about ways that you might be wasting money, according to the Kinda Frugal website. You can email the show, send it to money at mpbonline.org. We usually have more time to answer your email questions offline during uh, after the show is over. So when you email us, you might not be able to get to it on air, but you will definitely get a response. And in addition to your personal finance questions, you know, as we're talking about ways of avoiding wasting money, uh, if you've recently come across a way that you've decided that uh, you're going to stop wasting some of your money and have had success at it, we always would love to hear you call up and share and let other people maybe get an idea as well. So we start each show uh, on Tuesdays talking about financial news in the news. So, Nancy, uh, good morning. We're going to let you go first. Well, good morning. Um, I was just reading this morning about the complaints of uh, paper checks being held at banks. And, of course, mm. you know, paper checks are uh, becoming rarer by the day, but we still see them. And uh, what we have found, and we have dealt with this recently, where a check has been written often by a major institution, a, a brokerage house, an insurance company, the IRS. And uh, that bank will still hold that check and not allow funds to be released for a period of time. Now, federal law does require that they release 25% by the second day after it's deposited. But they still can hold on to that. And, of course, the banks are exposed because this is really a promissory note. It's saying this institution is saying, I will pay you for this money. So they are hesitant to release that and allow you to then use that money. Um, but we have found sometimes if you push on them a little harder and if you're a good customer and it is a recognized institution, sometimes they will make an exception, but often they will just say, that's the policy. I, I'm a little skeptical of this and how exposed they are when these are recognized institutions um, because banks like to live off that float, which is uh, being able to use that money for a period of time before they then have to commit it to you. But that's what you're facing. If you have that situation, try to ask for an electronic transfer instead of a paper check if you can. So it's insurance payout. See if they will send it directly to your bank account. Um, if that doesn't work and you're still stuck with a check, then again, talk to your local banker. See if they will make some exceptions if you need to access those funds. And uh, speaking from somewhat from personal experience, I think um, my mother sent – and this was actually a personal check from my mother for something that she was loaning me money for. Um, and I had made sort of a personal connection with the guy who was the, you know, the head of the branch of the bank that where I work or where I go to. 
And uh, the day I went in to, to cash it or to deposit, I don't remember which it was. Anyway, my personal connection with the guy that was the manager helped grease the wheels. So we often talk about uh, creating that uh, relationship, but this is one example where it might pay off. Yeah, I think so. If they really know who you are and you've been a customer for a long time, then they can be more comfortable about uh, their liability in that situation. Yeah, this is such an interesting area. I actually read uh, <laughs> several articles about the the plumbing of our financial system and how checks work. And uh, there is so one reason they have a very long hold time is there's I believe it's a nine or ten day period where if there is a fraudulent check, that money can be clawed back. So you know, at, at the longest, that's how long they'll wait. They'll wait till that period is over. And of course, it, when you have a personal check, there's always that slight concern. Oh, maybe this person on the other into the check isn't good for it. So that's why they might want to hold it. Uh, And that's also why when they know that person or when Kevin walks up and says, this is my mother's account, then the the manager knows that he's good for it and and knows that everyone's acting in good faith. So it really is fascinating. But you're absolutely right, Nancy. Electronic transfers, they are much faster. (laughs) They're getting faster. Um, And so they're kind of good for settling that money a lot quicker. Um, but what's been in the news a lot recently is uh, our Fed Chairman Jay Powell was on 60 Minutes. If I don't, if if everyone has watched that, fantastic. Um, but one of the interesting things about this is that the Federal Reserve, we think of them as, oh, they raise and lower interest rates. Uh, well, and then over the past 10, 15 years, they also started buying U.S. government bonds. So they supported kind of all sorts of interest rates, trying to bring those down for such a long time. And now they're trying to, you know, they're raising those up over the last couple of years. Um, but the other tool they have is talking about what they can do. And so opening up his thought process a little more to people, it, it just reveals a lot. And it gives people a lot to think about. And without saying, hey, we're not raising rates or, hey, we're going to raise rates on this day, he can – kind of hint to it. He can kind of say, here's what we're looking for. And people can kind of start to draw those conclusions. And so in that way, without using another tool or inventing something else, he can communicate their process. He can communicate what they see. And he communicated that he sees a strong economy, but they still want to keep interest rates. So everyone's thinking, okay, we don't have uh, we're not going to have interest rate cuts in March, which is the next meeting where people, some people were thinking that was going to happen. Uh, so a little higher, a little longer is, is what we heard, uh, but also generally good news about the economy as a whole. And the word, the old-fashioned word we use for that is telegraphing. So he is telegraphing what they're thinking and what the plan is because they don't want to um, create any surprises. But ultimately, out of all of this, the good news for um, everyone out there is that we are expecting by the end of the year lower interest rates. Don't think you're going to go back to 3% mortgages, but we're going to see some moderation. So we started off talking about this old-fashioned technology of checks. Nancy, what is a telegraph? Two dots. Dot, dot, dash, dot. Is that that Morse code? Are we talking about Morse code? I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) Um, So I uh, e-filed my tax return. uh, and and Congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, Going for that electronic payment, I see. Yes, listening to yes, us. I did. There we go. And actually, the money is already in my 
checking account. It took only, I want to say, less than a week. So if you, especially if you are getting money back, I would encourage you to file, e-file early, uh, and you'll get that money uh, quickly. I did have a question, though. Nancy, you you say, and I'm rightfully so, I kind of brag about always having a, a, a refund, a refund, because I like getting sort of the little boost there. But if I decided that I didn't want to do that, how do you know how much to adjust your withholding by? And I assume that's the way you would do it, would be to adjust your withholding. Well, you just need to look at the amount of the refund, um, because whoever is doing your paychecks and setting all of that up as far as your deductions are based on, you've said, oh, there's just one in my household, or I'm going to say there's none, so they take out more. But you can usually go back to your HR department and uh, talk to them about that refund and maybe change the number of deductions so that less tax is taken out with each paycheck, but that means you're not going to get your big fat refund to go and shop uh, this yeah. in the spring, Kevin. And and you got to keep it. That's a good point because every year things like the tax bracket change, the standard deduction changes, maybe your life situation changes, your income changes, and so essentially you have to recalculate again rough estimate of what you think your overall tax burden is going to be, and then figure out how you can divide that up over all of your paychecks. Yeah, a writer keeps getting more deductions at his house. I don't know how that's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Would this be something that your HR person normally would be able to help you with, or you think you're kind of on your own with this? If they're helpful. Yeah, they should be able to help you with that um, and and allow you to make some adjustments. Now, some companies, especially larger companies, won't allow you to just, you know, add some extra dollars. It's just like you've got to mark a box. Uh, but certainly in our small company, we have the ability to say, hey, we'll just add a few extra dollars to that in, in taxes that I want to withhold so I won't have such a problem uh, later on. And surprisingly enough, the money is not going to shoes. What? Oh, Kevin. what is it going to? Kevin, are you feeling okay? <laughs> um, you know, I have some friends of mine moved out to Palm Springs, California, and so I try to try to take a, a visit out there each summer. So I've decided that that's uh, what I'll use my money for is to uh, finance my trip. So I might buy some new shoes while I'm out there, though. So I can't. We can't roll sh- roll shoes out of it. Rule shoes out of it completely. Uh, but well, that's the spirit. <laughs> yeah, that brings me to this um, idea, and there's a lot of research out there about money and happiness. And what you're deciding to spend your money on is an experience, and an experience that you're going to share with a group of other people. So it creates creates those memories. That's one of the best ways you can spend your money. And that's true. And the, the reason I keep going back there is because that's uh, they live in the the desert southwest, and that's an environment that I have never really been exposed to. So the first time I went out there was just impressed by it. And there's a lot of stuff to do out there. And it's, uh, like I say, just a different part of the country. So I always look forward to going out there. And uh, and my friend always tells me that uh, when I come out there, they do the things that, that they weren't able to do the rest of the year. So it's always a fun time both for host and guest. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone. Then you get to listen to all of the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio 
Corporate Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are here to answer your personal finance questions this morning. Also, we're going to, throughout the show, be talking about ways the website Kind of Frugal says that you might be wasting money. So if you have a personal finance question, give us a call. Or as I said earlier, if you have uh, maybe plugged a leak in your budget and found a way to stop wasting some money, uh, we'd always like for you to call in and share with that and maybe inspire other listeners to do the same. So as I said, uh, the uh, Kind of Frugal website has this list of things. And I guess maybe to start the conversation out, I don't think they're saying that all these things on the list you should never do. I think it's just maybe think, to kind of raise your awareness or just uh, you know have an idea of areas that you might be wasting too much money. Um, and so um, and normally I just go through the list, but I thought we'll change things up a little bit. I sent the list out to Nancy and Ryder in advance, and so I thought I would ask each of them maybe if they had one that particularly struck their interest in the list. So, Ryder, why don't we start with you? Ooh, okay. So, and you, you, you're right. This is not a list of things to avoid all the time because some things that are kind of the life's simple pleasures, like if you really enjoy that that stereotypical cup of coffee on the weekend and you want to go out to your favorite coffee shop to enjoy that and that's where you get you know a lot of enjoyment and pleasure from, then by all means do that. Now, if you're just going and buying a, two cups of coffee every day because you feel you have to and you can't get through the day and you could actually be making it at work or there's actually already a pot uh, on, then maybe that is a waste of money. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me is uh, bottled water. And, and of course, you know, it comes up a lot. You, you know, you may live in a municipality where you have boil water notices, and you feel that you have to go go out and buy bottled water. And I will see whenever I go to the grocery store, just pallets and pallets of bottled water. And um, one thing that always strikes me is I, a lot of people don't realize that bottled water is not even held to the same standards that municipal water is. So you're not necessarily actually getting a better quality of water. And I always just also just feel just the level of, of, of plastic you're taking into your house and putting into your body is maybe a little high. Uh, and there are some better options. You know, we've talked on the show about this before. You, you could get uh, one of those filtered water pitchers. Mm-hmm. And those are those are great to have anyway, especially if you have any concerns about your municipal water system. It's just a way to improve your tap water a little bit. One, using your tap water when you know it's safe. Uh, maybe storing a little extra. You can also buy larger jugs, which are usually a little more space and cost efficient than the pack of you know 300 to eight ounce <laughs> bottles that just like two sips of water in there it's just that's another thing it's just not enough water for me you know I, I gotta stay hydrated so there's a lot of other ways um there's in fact what i have at my house is a very inexpensive under sink filter so there's a little filter there i replace it every six months it does I, mean, I was just trying to look up the prices of them, but you can find them from $20, $30, 40 And that filters all the water. We use that for drinking water. We use that what we're cooking in because, yeah, we do want to make sure, even if we don't have a boil water notice, that we're using safe water for ourselves and our children. And, uh, you know, Nancy, I, well, I would say, too, that in the bottled water market, you know, there's kind of the, the generic all the way up to the fancy, the one that comes in the square bottle oh, and, yeah, you know, that sort absolutely. of thing. So yeah. what are your thoughts on, on, on the bottled water? Well, I, I'm with Ryder in thinking about uh, are you really getting an upgrade? If you do have some problems with water at your house, then, yes, you may have to purchase some water. Um, but you might do better to purchase it in gallon jugs. 
and ignore the label because people who buy the the fancy labeled water are really just trying to make a statement uh, because we like the fancy bottle (laughs) yes yes it's not about what's inside and um but um if that makes you happy to do that fine go ahead um and a lot of people are now also going to carrying their own uh containers and uh and then they can get water where they know that there's a good source and it is quality water and so they carry that with them and that's a fine option too Oh, yeah. So many places you go have those uh, water fountains with the filters built in. And yeah, carrying around a bottle. That's I, I have a bottle. I have a bottle like that in my car that I fill up you know, most days. But uh, Nancy, that's interesting because, you know, now there's the craze of the, the Stanley Cup uh, that uh, so popular. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, not to be confused with the trophy that they give the hockey winner. But, uh, you know, I mean, you've seen the things of people. That would keep someone very hydrated. <laughs> this a, hockey a, cup <laughs> full of. How many, how many gallons can that well, hold? And, and plus hockey's played on ice, so the water would not stay nice and cool. Yeah. There you go. But, uh, well, it's all, it's all about the, what is the latest trend and a status thing. And so just be careful about that. Sometimes a status thing, maybe that makes you feel better. And certainly, if you've got teenagers at your house, then you understand about having some kind of status thing to help them feel like they can fit in. But just remember, when it comes to your money and economics, it's all about choices. And uh, for most of us, unless you have unlimited wealth, um, and, and by the way, at my house, we are now catching up on uh, succession uh, since it's all in the news. And uh, <sighs> one scene we just watched where the, uh, Logan Roy is asking them all, do they know what the price of a gallon of milk is? Well, they don't know because they have unlimited resources. Most of us have limited resources and we have to make choices. So if you buy that fancy object that has the status brand name on it and that means you're going to sacrifice somewhere else so just be aware of that i have no idea what what is the price i buy a gallon of milk probably every three days i could not tell you the price because (laughs) i i just have to buy it i mean i don't have to do it i don't have a choice so i mean it, it i pay the market price and if I bought a gallon of milk, it would go sour, I think, before I finished. Uh, yeah. So I, I'd buy the smaller containers. That thing, I don't, and I don't understand. To me, uh, the other kind of high-priced water thing is, um, and now I can't think of the brand name. Um, anyway, what, I don't know. Are we what, talking about fancy cups here? Yeah. Oh, it's, dear. Um, gosh, what is it? It's four letters. And Yeti? I can't think, thank you. Yeti? Yeah. To yeah. me, I have a Yeti tumbler, and it, to me, it does hold, stay, keep the <laughs> beverage cold for long. So, I mean, I think there's a reason for paying a little bit extra. What is the thing about the Stanley Cup? I, is there some, is it really just the status thing at this point or does it do something magical to your water to keep it extra cold? I Aver, have no idea. Aver I have no gives idea. gives you lead poisoning. <laughs> hey, hey, you can't say that on air. <laughs> That's... There's rules against that. Um, no, and one of the things I think about is for kind of the insulated cups, you know, partly led by Yeti becoming so popular and other brands becoming so popular, they they became a really popular giveaway item if you went to say a work conference or just a free community events. I went to a talk with the uh, state treasurer once and they handed out these insulated mugs. And actually the one I have from the state treasurer is one of my favorites because it's, it's just the right size. I love it. And I have, 
a lot of insulated cups. In fact, we kind of get rid of a lot of them. I have not paid for a single one of them. Uh, so it is possible to get these. And I have good uh, a good water bottle that I keep in my house at, uh, or keep in my car. And I that one I got for free at, a, at some event somewhere. So uh, I don't know if, you know, the branding on it from who, whatever company, maybe some law firm that was passing these out. I don't know if the branding is is messing up with my uh, my status symbol, but maybe I don't know. Maybe it elevates it a little bit, you know. <laughs> Brother Daniel of Pascagoula has one for us. Good morning, Brother Daniel. You're on the air with us. So go ahead. Hey, what's going on? I'm out here riding. Hey, Ryder. I'm your fan, brother. I'm your fan. <laughs> That's great. I always, I always love to know there's someone out there listening. I appreciate it, brother Daniel. Uh, I might have to put some, put some, put some t-shirts out with you on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Um, so many people I talk to in the area, man, they love your education on the finance, and we appreciate it. Uh, what I called for today was, you uh, know. Happy love, Valentine, Mississippi. Um, that's my birthday. Um, was about the tax. I didn't do my 20 and 21. My money was kind of short. I was stuck, and I need to do the long form. Do I still get the credit on the 20? You remember the credit we got? Uh, what the heck yeah. I forget the name of that credit, but yeah, there were there were significant credits in twenty and twenty one, maybe through to twenty twenty two. I'm not sure. Yeah, my my tax person said, "Yeah, I'm still good for it because it's within the four or five years." But I just want to check for my my master financial teacher and <laughs> see if if that if you correct. Yeah, and I'm. I will say, so the situation you found yourself in, 2020, you didn't you didn't have the money to pay your taxes, so you just didn't do them. That is not an unusual situation, but I strongly, strongly, strongly encourage anybody, even if you don't have the money to pay your taxes, here's the thing. You still owe them. You you still owe your taxes. So you can't you can't escape that by simply not doing the filing. But what you do by doing the filing is you have it on record and you have it so that um, there's uh, I believe like a period for auditing or a period for where uh, penalties come in. Having the filing done is so important, even if you cannot pay it. Because here's the thing. You can get on payment plans with the IRS. There are ways to do that, um, but you can't not do that without the filing. If you have not made the filing, then um, I'm not sure if it's like a criminal, criminal thing, but like they're not happy about that. Um, they're definitely happier if you do a filing and can't pay than if you haven't done a filing. They know you still exist. They've probably received tax documents for you from other people. Uh, 1099s, W-2s, super common. If you have any work, uh, if you have withdrawals from um retirement accounts and if you have interest earned in bank accounts which we haven't had interest earned in bank accounts for a long time but 2022 2023 you probably had interest earned in bank accounts finally so those are getting reported they know it's happening you need to do that uh reporting that being said yes typically if there were credits and they and, and as long as they weren't credits where there was limited availability i know some of those credits uh money has been clawed back in Oh, I forget which Secure Act number we were talking about with that one. Some of those have been clawed back, and so the money just it isn't there anymore. Um, but yes, typically you do your taxes, 
filing your taxes is the only way to claim credits if you are owed money. Uh, it is the way to claim money back if you paid too much in. So uh, do not hesitate. Uh, it's very important that you actually do a filing. So yes, do, do those filings and cross your fingers that you get those credits. All right, uh, Brother Daniel, thanks for the call. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. As always, Nancy and Ryder are ready to help you out with any kind of personal finance question you have this morning. While we wait for your phone calls, though, we're talking about ways that you might be wasting money, according to the Kind of Frugal website. So, Nancy, uh, looking through the list of ways that we might be spending money, uh, wasting money, that is, uh, and did anything catch your eye? Well, I always think about um, wanting to get value for every time you spend money. And if you have late charges, overdraft fees, mm. traffic tickets, parking tickets, you know, you don't get anything for those. It's like you've just tossed some money out the window. Um, and so always think about using that money to get some value for yourself. Um, but, you know, a late charge, that is just, you know, you just let something get by you, and that happens. Um, but that is just money that is gone away that you got nothing for it. So be cautious about those expenditures. That's interesting because as I was going through the list, when I came across that one, I thought, I bet you that's going to be one of Nancy's favorite ones. And you're right. It's a total waste of money. Uh, and the suggestion from the website is to, you know, we've got – calendars now. We've got phones that have reminders and that sort of thing. So maybe, you know, set up um, some sort of reminder or do the uh, automatic pay if that seems to help. And that way you'll avoid right. those late um, fees. A lot of uh, bank accounts now will allow you to go ahead and uh, pay some portion automatically, even on a bill that's not going to be the same, like a utility bill or a, a credit card bill. And then mine will even give me reminders because I've set those accounts up to pay through my bank account and through their online site. So it will remind me that, oh, there you might have one coming due. So just pay attention to those things. I mean, we all get busy. It happens. It certainly has happened to me. Um, but it always just makes me just so mad when I have a late charge because I think that was just a silly amount that, um, you know, I could have used on something else. And a reminder that when we talk about uh, credit scores uh, and your credit uh, on your credit score, that certainly um, is a ding on your credit score if you have a lot of late charges. So it's a good idea to try to keep uh, those to an absolute minimum. If if none at all is obviously the the ideal thing. I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the air, uh, but um, <clears throat> recently my bank sent me a note that said along the lines of, "Hey, we're changing the way that we do overdraft charges and." We noticed that in 2018, you were charged mm. twice for something where you had the money in your account when you made the purchase, but when it was taken out, you didn't. And so anyway, they refunded the, the charges uh, from all the way back from 2018. So that was a pleasant surprise, but it's also an interesting – I'm wondering if, if banks are somewhat altering the way they approach um, overdraft protection or charges. Does anyone have any info on that? So for a long time, when there were basically no interest rates out there to be had, then they weren't making a lot of interest income. So they did try to ramp up ways they're making income from other places. And one of the other big sources is fees. 
Uh, so possibly now that they're making more int- money on uh, interest rates, then maybe they're uh, kind of happy to let some of that fee income uh, go. And also, I know they've become uh, always under a lot of scrutiny because overdraft fees, any bank fees, people just hate. It is just such an easy target. And I know even nationally, uh, we've heard every now and then I, I feel like I see an, an announcement about the president or Congress attacking another fee of some sort. And it's 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 a horrible reminder that we have so many little fees uh, just anywhere. You know, airline tickets, concert tickets, overdrafts, when you run your credit card, this, that or the other, all of these fees. Um, and so hearing um, kind of the powers that be attacking those fees is it's a reminder, but it's it's nice to know somebody's working on it. And know that banks are never happy to let fee income go. They're only (laughs) doing that for one of two reasons. One is competition, and um, the bank down the road is offering a better deal, and they may lose customers, or they're being forced to. And banks are heavily regulated, and a lot of those fees have been under the microscope lately. And um, I think we can uh, thank our Consumer Financial Protection Bureau for some of that oversight to help us with some of those fees. And they come up with interesting names. I think it was several years ago, my brother told me that he bought tickets for a concert or something. And I think there was something called a satisfaction fee. And so it's like, well, who's who's satisfied here? <laughs> who's satisfaction are we talking yeah. about? Yeah. And then the, the convenience fee is another good one. Yeah. So uh, I can't yeah, get absolutely. no satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. A Rolling Stones reference from Nancy. Love that yes. one, Nancy. Very good. Absolutely. <laughs> now, I've... I've got a question because I got to take advantage of you guys being here. Uh-oh. So, um, are you guys familiar since it's tax season? Are you guys familiar with the newest like uh, Biden Safe plan that just came out? Somewhat, with, yes. The student with loan the stu- repayment, plan. student loan repayment, yeah. yes. Um, so, I believe with that, um, the tax filing status that you file with could change how much you pay back in your student loan, your monthly payment. That is true. Um, so, what? What do you gain and what do you lose when you're filing? Like if you're, for my for my instance, uh, married filing jointly versus married filing separately. What what do you gain from filing separately or filing jointly as opposed to filing separately? And would it equal what someone would save using uh, the save plan? Yeah. So there's the two sides to this. One being how does the filing status affect your taxes and then to on the other side, how does it affect your student loan payment? And so there's a lot to consider, you know, is your student loan payment, you know, filing jointly? Is that cumbersome? Is that difficult? Is that something that you never expect to pay off? If, if you're can put yourself in line for some sort of forgiveness, uh, public service forgiveness, uh, there's forgiveness built into all the plans anyway, um, limiting, the payment to a very small part of your income, particularly if it's an undergraduate loan, they limit it to like 5% of your discretionary income, can be pretty significant. Um, but, and, and one of the changes, and, and this, I'm not super clear on this, but uh, I, I thought that some of the changes were designed to make it so you could continue filing jointly, but only consider your own income. But I, I think what I'm reading is with the save plan, you do need to file separately to not consider your spouse's income. Um, and so the other side is, well, what, how much money do we save 
sorry, I don't mean to use the word save too often here, um, by filing jointly. And so just a general rule uh, in my head is that when your incomes are similar, then your tax burden is going to be similar whether you are filing jointly or separately. And that's because uh, a number of years back with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, they kind of equalized the uh, filing single and filing joint tax brackets. They used to be slightly mismatched. Now, the filing jointly bracket is just twice the filing uh, single bracket. So it's just a lot simpler. If you have a, a big disparity between income brackets such that, say, one spouse on their own would be in the 22% tax bracket, but combined, y'all are safely with it. Uh, safely, there's that word again, uh, safely within the 12% bracket, that's a significant difference because that could be thousands of dollars in taxes that you're paying by filing separately. So those are the two sides. And really, you just want to run the numbers. You want to see, you don't have to do a whole tax you know, filing, but just you know, look at the brackets, look at what your deductions are and say, okay, this is roughly our tax burden uh, filing separately. This is roughly our tax burden filing jointly. And then here I've also calculated out what are my payments. And if all you're doing uh, is reducing your payments temporarily, might not be worth it. But again, if it's putting you in line for a significant amount of forgiveness or if it's just such a significant reduction in your payment that it, it, it unburdens the rest of your budget and allows you to hit some other goals. That's what makes it worth it. If it's just like, oh yeah, save 50 bucks and you know, I'm still going to have to pay the whole thing off anyway, but it was kind of cool. That's probably not worth it. Also, last thing to consider is that there are some things you lose when you file separately, so we talk about Roth IRAs a lot, uh, the ability to contribute to a Roth IRA, ability to contribute to IRAs in some instances is greatly reduced uh, when you when you file separately. So because th- those are just things that the IRS doesn't want you to play around with your tax filing just so you can do that. So they just eliminate the ability to do that. One other thing that's uh, related to student loan uh, payment that's not in the tax uh, side, uh, but more and more employers are uh, taking this on, which is that um, employers can now consider your payments to your student loans as part of your match on your retirement plan. So if you're making payments on your student loan, you feel like, oh, I can't contribute to my 401k, you can ask your employer if they can participate in this program to allow them to consider those payments so that you get the employer match and you don't miss out on that. And we're starting to hear about more and more of these bigger employers who are doing that and offering that benefit. Of course, that's happening because we do have a tight labor market and they're trying to be competitive. We're pleased you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotcher-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We've got some calls to get to and time is running out, so let's not waste any more time. And we'll go directly to the phone lines beginning again in Memphis. Daryl has been waiting for us. Go ahead, Daryl. You're on the air, so it's your turn. Oh, good morning. And thank you all for taking my call. And I thank the screener as well. Great. Well, my question uh, my question has to do with... Um, but it's in the area of being frugal. Um, I've been looking at um, CDs with the stated interest rate, and then there are bonds out there with also a stated interest rate. Um, If I can get a higher rate on bonds, uh, 
I don't think I'd be throwing away money if you understand what I'm saying. I I think that the bonds will be paying a higher bonds or even um, a preferred stock. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, this is a tough one because um, CDs are are basically bonds issued by local banks. Um, I don't know what kind of bonds you're talking about. Are you talking about individual bonds, maybe a bond issued by, for instance, General Motors? Are you talking about a bond fund? That's going to be a different beast because when you invest in a bond fund, there may be a yield that's listed, but that can change with the value of the portfolio of bonds, and you can end up losing money within a bond fund if you're not careful. Um, so it, it's very difficult for me to say what's appropriate for you. Most of the time with CDs, you can purchase them in very short-term horizons. So you can buy a month CD, a six-month CD, a few years. Bonds, typically bonds tend to be a little bit longer. Are you talking about treasuries? You have some that are treasury bills that mature in one year or less. We think of treasuries as being even safer than CDs because CDs, again, are, are bonds issued by banks, whereas a treasury is a bond issued by the U.S. government. So most of the time, those treasury rates are a little bit lower than the CD rates. So you have to think about, well, first of all, what is your time horizon? When are you going to need that money? Can you lock it up? Um, be careful again about bond funds, what type of bonds. And, you know, one of the biggest things you face when you purchase an individual bond is what if they can't pay you back? Um, you're going to be mostly protected through FDIC if you purchase a CD because if something happens to the bank, that, that insurance will pay off. Um, there is some insurance on some bonds, but not all of them have that. So if you bought a bond from a company that then said, I'm sorry, we can't pay it back, they default, then you don't get all of your money back. So um, think about what your time horizon is, what your risk profile is, um, how much of that money can you lock up, and for how long can you lock it up, and then come up with a plan. But, but I'm going to say for everyone out there, even though we're being enticed now to um, go for some of these longer-term issues because they're paying some higher rates, everybody always needs some money that's totally flexible. So that savings account, that money market account, that needs to be um, money that you can get your hands on at any time to cover any kind of emergencies. Thankfully, a lot of them are paying some really good rates right now. I've got one paying 4.75%. Um, and But we are expecting those to go down. Don't worry about it. Um, again, think about your time horizon. Think about your risk profile. That's a really complicated situation that you're mentioning. Preferred stock, that's a whole different ball game because it combines some portions of a bond and some portions of ownership or equity. I would say stay away from that for you for right now. Yeah, I, that, I, I agree. Um, obviously, you can look at some individual bonds, and a lot of a lot of times, even in the treasury market, the U.S. Treasury is practically kind of risk free. The one of the only things we can say is really close to risk free. Um, are paying higher yields in some bank CDs because I do see a lot of the bank CDs are just they just want those six month, nine month teaser rates, uh, whereas some of the some of the treasuries are paying higher rates for longer. But always think is that 
what I need this, especially when people start talking about putting uh, money in bonds for longer periods of time. I think, okay, if it's a longer period of time, is there a better way to invest this? Is there something that is more appropriate for that goal? Uh, so that's, that's what I would consider at that point. All right, Daryl, thank you for your call. Let's uh, move on. Next, we'll go to Cleveland. Tan has called in today. Good morning. You're on the air, so go ahead. Uh, hi, Tanis Graham. I have a question. Uh, I'm retirement age, and I'm still working. I have an IRA, uh, but I wanted to put some money into a Roth, and I've heard of these backdoor Roths, uh, and I'm confused. Can you help me with that? Sure. Yeah. So uh, an IRA, great, great place to put your money if you, especially if you don't have a workplace retirement plan. Um, and so with a traditional Roth IRA, you put money in that reduces your income for tax purposes. And then when you take it out, you know, hopefully it's grow, grows, grows. So you take it out and you do pay taxes on it. And actually, I will say for folks close to retirement age, Often the math starts working more in favor of doing the traditional IRA, the deferred IRA. However, if you have a workplace retirement plan, you're very limited on the amount of income that you can have before you can't take that deduction. Now, the Roth IRA, on the other hand, you put money in. It doesn't help you on your taxes this year, but it grows and grows and grows, and you never have to withdraw it, and you never have to pay uh, taxes on it. Uh, when you do withdraw. So I like to call that the best deal going in tax evasion. Those tend to make sense when you have a longer time period. So especially when you're lower income and just starting on your career. Now, a backdoor Roth, um, I was a little hesitant to use that language, although I think they are totally above board at this point uh, due to some changes in the, again, one of those secure acts. But essentially, if you are over, I uh, forget what the income level is, but it's around 190000 in income, uh, you're no longer eligible. Uh, that's a, for a joint filer. We were talking about joints filing singly earlier. Um, you are no longer eligible to put money into a Roth IRA. So that is where people have come up with tricks to put money into a Roth IRA despite being over that again, 190, 200 something thousand uh, income limit. Uh, the mechanics of a backdoor Roth IRA are you put money into a regular IRA. You don't take a tax deduction for it because again, you're already over the income limits. They have very low income limits, around $70,000. You don't take the tax deduction for it, but then you convert it to the Roth IRA. Uh, and that is also tax-free because you haven't uh, you didn't take a tax deduction on that money already. Now, there's a, a ton of things to watch out for. I know there's going to be a CPA listening who's just like fuming because I haven't said things like, if you have money in other IRAs, then this uh, that, that conversion counts pro rata for some of those uh, deductible dollars and some of those non-deductible dollars. So s- some of that will be taxed. Uh, and it's, it's, it's something you want to be very careful about doing. But yes, effectively, it is a way to get money into a Roth IRA when you are over the income limit for putting money into a Roth IRA. That being said, does it make sense for you? Is that what you need to be doing? Maybe if you want money in a Roth IRA, just wait until you are retired, have lower income, and just do normal Roth conversions. Uh, there's a lot of other uh, tools there. And I will just say generally someone who is towards the end of their career, it makes a little less sense to do uh, backdoor Roths. 
And let me also jump in and, and emphasize something Ryder mentioned, which is if you have an employer plan, you still may qualify to do a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA outside of that. So check with your CPA. All right, that is going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can find it at moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your podcasting app. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.